2: This episode is brought to you in iHeart 3D audio for maximum effect. Headphones are recommended.
3: Oliver, uh, it's it's good to see you again. I I have to tell you, I am excited, really excited about doing this whole 3D thing.
2: I know, man. Me too. Um, are things going to be flying out at us?
3: Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's 3D. I, I have to be honest. Typically, yeah. I don't like watching movies in 3D. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's stupid. It doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. But if there ever was something that makes sense for an audio only podcast, I think 3D
2: is it. Don't yeah. you? Watch this. Watch how this works. You ready?
3: Wait, where, why, where are you go? Why are you so far away? I'm right here. No, mm. you sound like you're a million miles away. You're way over there. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. See what I mean? You're way over there. Hello. Come back, get back over here, just a little bit closer. Hold on. Let me. Let me walk. Yeah. Yeah. All thank right. you. What, what kind of okay. shoes are those? Are those? Uh, those are hard clogs. clogs. Those are clogs. So you're yeah, clogging your way back to me, which is I think a Vetter song
2: <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> clogging my way back to you are you serious, dude? You just farted on the fucking podcast
3: that wasn't me that was not that it was was our, was our we we just got a new dog. Listen to this thing bark. <laughs> <laughs> That, I mean, would that scare the shit wow. out of you? Would that scare? Yeah, that, if you that, were coming that, up
2: on this house. It, that's not even a dog. It's like a, a, it's li- a, lion, it's a like. lion. It's a lion. Uh, it's, it's a, a lion. It's a liger. It's a liger.
3: From uh, Napoleon Dynamite.
2: <clears> this <throat> 3D... St- Hello? Where'd you go, dude?
3: I'm over here. God, how many oh. times do I have to tell you?
2: Here's you the thing.
3: Wait, I'll swim back to you. I'll swim okay. over to you.
2: Okay, go ahead.
3: Okay, hold on one sec. Let me, let me dive in real quick. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to dive in. Let me do a cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> whoa.
2: Cannonball. How about that? Very nice. But is this going to be the whole show? Because I'm not sure I can take this the entire time we do an interview.
3: Well, I mean, as long as this. Look at this plane coming in.
2: Oh, whoa. I'm not sure. It's that's Oh, I'm not, the the 737 800 Uh, how did you know that because it's so close yeah i know it plain sound like did
3: you see what that guy was eating in 14a
2: yeah crab legs crab crack (laughs) you can hear cracking
3: you can totally hear the crab legs are cracking (laughs) which is that's a that's a ub 40 song
2: actually You be 40. Is that red, red wine? Yeah. Is that 40? Yeah. Oh, my God. You
3: be out of I work. I love that song. You <laughs> be <UB> 40 <laughs> is, uh,
2: yeah, <gasps> you be out of work. Oh, <sighs> my <inaudible> God. <inaudible> red, red wine. All, All right. right. Cue the red wine pouring. Hear that? That uh, just oh. makes my mouth water. That?
3: Mm. If cue if the you, mouth?
2: Can... Cue the mouth watering. What noise does that make? I don't know. Salivating? If we could put that red
3: wine with the crab legs, the guy in 14A, with the jet that just is zooming back at us over our heads, then we would really have something that was worthy of being in 3D. But I don't know that that this is all going to sound good on 3D. We'll just have to see how it comes out in the wash, you know? Turn on Uh, the washing machine.
2: Cue the washing machine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, all right, can we step out of this 3D realm?
3: Yeah, we can, but first, will you blow, right. dry, will you blow dry your hair real quick?
2: Yeah, hold on, Jesus, you're so picky. Mm hmm. You like that? Yeah, yeah. That's all the that, hair. It's yeah. all the hair you wish you had. I huh? know.
3: That's where the thickness comes into play. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Wait, put put it um, on high. We'll put it on high, and then we'll stop.
2: Okay. Here we go. Oh my God, that's, that's, that's hot, that's warm. <laughs> okay, so just um, hold my hand, Yeah, and let's clog on out of this 3D realm, shall we?
3: Yeah, let me get my clogs real quick. Let me open this door. Okay. But first, I'm going to open mm-hmm. the door to my closet, and I'm going to get my clogs that are a little bit big for me. I got size 12 clogs <laughs> with 11 feet. I don't have 11 feet, but size 11 feet. Uh, Okay, all right. They're
2: on. All right, let's you got go. it? Okay. Let's go. Let's clog. Let's clog out of here, buddy. <laughs> I
3: guess. Did they I clog? I That's more of like a mountain
2: boot. I don't know.
3: Uh, let's go two D uh, okay. or one D.
2: Let's go one D. Alright, we clogged out of there. Now we're back in the real world.
3: Oh, that was fun. God, it was good being there.
2: That was. You know what? Given my, given my state, my mental state, maybe I'll just go live in that 3D world. Maybe think that's about, where I belong.
3: If you think it, it happens. It's like that unfollowable Christopher Nolan, Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Inception. Inception. Yeah. By the way, yeah. Tenet, Tenet if, if anybody out there, and please put it in our comments... If anybody out there has either A, C, Tenet, and I love everything, Chris, I love the sound of Christopher Nolan movies. I love mm-hmm. the look of Christopher Nolan movies. Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan defines Batman for me. I love him. I, phenomenal. But if you can f- know what the hell is happening in Tenet, you automatically pass go and go right to MIT, and you should be working for, uh, I don't know, the government. <laughs> yeah. You should be working
2: in... Uh, <laughs> The CIA. It's. Do you? Did Chris Nolan? Do you think he knew? I what it all meant. Well, my you daughter. Know, I, I didn't see it. To be fair, I didn't see it. It's. So.
3: It's. It's beautiful looking. It sounds cool. The acting's great. I just have absolutely no idea what's happening in it. And it starts, and then it goes backward. But when it starts, there are people fighting, but they're all wearing helmets, and you're supposed hmm. to remember whose face you saw through the helmet inside this symphony hall. And you're supposed to remember. Oh yeah, that was the guy. It almost begs you to watch it three or four times. And I told Trudy, my daughter who's at USC Film School, who loves Christopher Nolan, it's like, yes, it's great, looks awesome, but you have to give the audience a chance to understand. What? What in did the she say? She agreed. She she watched it and, and didn't didn't love it. I, I I beg you to watch it because I I've tried to make friends of mine watch it and i want help and i've
2: read about it i
3: i read about it and i still don't get it what
2: is what is trudy she's at film school what does she want to do she wants I mean, to direct in, in the, she does yes that's great that's awesome and do you think she has good taste
3: i think she has made some stuff that i am blown away by and has always done
2: really that. so i Whatever you're not her life, speaking just as a father, though. You know what I mean? Like can I she you be wouldn't objective? have gotten into
3: USC with. I mean, that they take like 36
2: kids a year. Oh, for sure. I'm just saying your personal, you know, she, how phenomenal that she is. I mean, you're not saying that as a dad. Like you've seen her stuff, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like, yes, that's real. That, that I've been to
3: two camps she went to, where at the end of the camp the little campers who she was a junior in high school, then a senior in high school showed their work and did like a film festival for the parents. And I thought hers was the best. I mean, and that's me being completely objective. It was smart. It was, it's well cut. It's well shot. And the story makes sense. It's well scored. I mean, she's, and she works hard, but she's taken Mm -hmm. whatever life experience she's gathered by going to Super Bowls and World Series and all all these different parts around the world. And she's been really fortunate to be my kid, in essence. And Mm -hmm. she's used all of that. She's really smart into becoming, I think, a good young filmmaker who's got a vision. And we'll just see where it goes. But she's she's done really well. She's thrived at USC, and there's no better film school. That's great. Well,
2: both your girls, man. Like, Natalie, when we were together... Just recently in Mexico, you showed me a scene that she did, and I mean, she can act, and I wouldn't just say that. There's she's she's fucking good, and Thank you. Thank not you. to be a dick, but she was she it. was she was doing it with mediocre material. I mean, whether we keep that in or not, and that's hard to do. You know, she it's she was just phenomenal. I mean, she yeah. was connected and amazing, and. She went you know, to the Lee Strasberg
3: School in New York for two years, and I, I I never really understood the whole acting school thing, but for her to tap into what she taps into to make to be able to cry like that on cue and to be able to really emote, you know, you don't like, want to know.
2: That was going to be my point. I'm yeah. like, I don't know what it is,
3: but whatever she's tapping into, I hope I had nothing to do with it, like divorce did. or when I let her down or whatever it is, because it's really good and it's really effective. And I think for it to be effective and good, it's got to be really something that hurt her. And I, I'm i not even going to ask.
2: No, don't. Don't. Just just applaud and don't think about where it all came from, because you are definitely in those in those thoughts. There's no doubt about it. Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, you know,
3: I have to be. <laughs> she's only been alive. That's for all right. Because years.
2: you can take credit then for her awards that she's going to win in the future. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, yeah, you, because you've I helped, you've heard, helped her get I there
3: inadvertently. Crushed your <laughs> scooter up somebody. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and forced her to go through divorce as a 13-year-old kid. Yeah, that's right. that, That's where my mind goes. Can't say that that's what it is, but I'm going to guess that's what it is.
2: Yeah, but look, as an actor, I think you are always drawing on life experience. You know, everyone does it a little differently. Some people just live in that perfect moment, and they're able to sort of, you know, dip into whatever that scene is, and become that and make that their reality. And then others sort of draw from experiences and use that to emote. You know, you look at, like, a Daniel Day-Lewis. I'm sure he's not drawing on anything that's happened in his past. That dude just becomes whatever it is he is supposed to become. would be annoying?
3: Role. I mean, I get it, but wouldn't that? And, and I watched, you know, Jim Carrey, and I love Jim Carrey, but when he did uh, man on the moon with where he's mm-hmm. uh, Andy Kaufman. And like for the whole time he was Andy Kaufman and the director was like ready to just strangle him. Mm-hmm. Like he couldn't even talk mm-hmm. to him without Jim Carrey doing an Andy Kaufman shtick going like Bop but mm-hmm. you know, acting like a, just a yeah. child. And it's like, okay, got it. You're Andy Kaufman. Okay. But I have a real <laughs> question. Okay. A real question. Can you be here at eight? Uh, I don't yeah. know what you're saying. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Eight. I don't know what you're doing with me. <laughs> and, and eventually, the cast has got to be like, "Shut the fuck up! Stop! We got it. You're great, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Got it. You're 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 Lincoln. Phenomenal. But this isn't the
2: 1800s. So come back.
3: Come back for is. five minutes. Let's it have is, dinner. It, and it talk. is for him.
2: Well, that's the thing. Is like you know at home right is daniel day lewis lincoln at home is he my left foot at home you know i mean is is he Is he there will be blood at home you know is he talking to his kids like i abandoned my boy i abandoned my boy i mean is he like i'd like to see him
3: combine all of his characters (laughs) like do uh do a Frank Caliendo rip of right. here's the My Left Foot guy who leads into the Abraham Lincoln guy who leads into the There Will Be Blood guy who's like the last of the Mohicans followed by uh, uh, the the thing where he's the the tailor. What was his last?
2: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I never yeah. saw and then that he did, one. And then he did nine with my sister, actually. Oh, Yeah. But look, if you're that good, okay? I mean, if you were that fucking good, then just keep doing it, I guess. You know? I mean, he's only done he a handful of movies and then quit. And now he cobbles, she's a shoe cobbler. I mean, he he makes clogs to bring it all back. <laughs> I mean, for real, that's what he does. He does? Yeah, he makes shoes. He's so a, somebody he's a walks cobbler. in,
3: they're like, uh, yeah, can you fix the heel on this and... Wait a minute.
2: Yes. Yeah. Then he comes like, out oh, as the. It's then I've abandoned your <laughs> shoe. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, that I, that would be awesome. He probably can't even oh, yeah. be. I want. I'm assuming he can be himself, but maybe he's just better being somebody else in his mind. Like I mean, after a while, a tr- yeah. Don't you lose yourself where you're. You can't, don't you don't need know. for your own sanity to break
2: out of that for a little bit? It's not, it's not, I, I don't even know what that feels like. I have no idea, you know? I mean, I mean where maybe, do you draw the
3: line? You're Lincoln, and then all of a sudden you're like making love to mean, Sally Field, who's Mary he, Todd.
2: Yeah, he had, he made love to her offset, just to get into character. <laughs> no, but was Lincoln on his cell phone? You know, like between takes or did Lincoln not have a cell phone? That's
3: a great point. Aren't you like, hey, Daniel, Daniel, oh, you're Abraham Lincoln, huh? Abraham Lincoln getting in a Maserati? Don't think they had those in 1860. Mm -hmm. Well, what about at lunch?
2: He's like, I need some peas and potatoes. Uh, What is this? You know, like pasta. What is pasta?
3: Pasta? Pasta (laughs) fajou. (laughs) Oh, and here she is, Taylor Tomlinson. Hi, Taylor. Oh, wait, you're on mute. You're on mute. Unmute. How's that?
2: That's so much better. Hey. How are
3: you doing? How are you? Good. This This requires a bit of a leap of faith for a 27-year-old comedic uh, female to get on with two older people who have a podcast (laughs) called Daddy Issues
0: love mm-hmm. it very on brand do you talk about being <laughs> dads a lot i don't know if i'll have much to contribute in that area oh well,
2: well that's okay. no you must you must you know what i mean like how about your father you know what, what are your you, you know you had a dad right i mean was it was it all gravy
0: i had a dad, I had a dad um made entirely of gravy um it <laughs> <he> was fantastic <laughs> he never did anything wrong ever um yeah. Why I'm a stand-up comedian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <have> perfect parent.
3: <laughs> it is funny to to go back and and I mean you're you're but a child at least in my uh, in my mind at the age of 27. But to go back and figure out how you started this all and and being somebody that and I'm I, I said this on an earlier podcast. I have my own story. Oliver has his story. This is our podcast. So we keep going back to our own stupid stories because that's my life. And and so I followed my dad into his line of work. And every time I get interviewed by somebody new, it's like they want to go back and cover the same stuff that I've answered questions to since I was 21. And I am now over double that. So I, I get it. I'm sorry. I'm apologizing before I ask the question about being raised in kind of a devout Christian household and then going through the metamorphosis that you've gone through. So mm-hmm. it is it is interesting to me to think of somebody who was, you know, in a much different uh household growing up and and now, you know, your career is just booming and, and it's a long way away from Christian comedy.
0: True. Now I'm a televised heathen.
3: Um mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long road.
0: You know, I started I started doing stand up because of my dad. My dad wanted to take a stand up comedy class when I was 16. Um and so that was just like a fun thing we were going to do together. And so we took it from like from a Christian comedian at a church for I think like 6 weeks or something. And That's how I started doing it. And I just started opening for that guy who taught the class and doing, I was starting in like the church circuit, weirdly enough. So I was a very clean comedian up Mm. until I was like 22. And I got fired from like the last church gig I was doing.
2: Um, Why did you get fired?
0: I had a tweet that had innuendo in it uh, that ended up being a joke I did on Conan. So it was worth it. Was that um, the
3: joke? Actually, innuendo is that? Was that the punchline?
0: That was the punch. Line. Yes, I acknowledged the existence of innuendo. Uh, and they were like, "How dare you?" Uh, no, I had a, I had a joke uh, about you know.
3: Look at your face light up. Your face just lit up as you're thinking about this joke that got you fired <laughs> you the church gig. Got
0: me fired. Worth it. No, I had a joke that said, uh, I'm a wild animal in bed, way more afraid of you than you are of me. And I had <laughs> tweeted it, and they saw this like this Christian comic I was opening for, who had just a whole team, saw it. And they were like, look, you're very funny, but we can't have we you. We can't laugh
3: at this in public. Opening. We'll just laugh at it yeah, on we- our own.
0: Right, right, right. We can't have you opening um, right. for this person. And I'd never been fired from anything before because I was such a good kid. And so I remember, like, I cried. I felt so guilty and bad. And then I was like, oh, I never want to feel this way again. And I already sort of felt like an imposter in those those church situations because I was getting to a place where I didn't want to be super clean anymore. I wanted to talk about different subjects. And it's very easy to be clean when you're 16, 17 you're living in your parents' house, you've never had sex. Like it's very easy to not touch on anything taboo. And then as you get older, um y- you just want to talk about different, different things. And so after that happened, I I told my manager I was like don't even bring me offers for church shows cuz I just mm. it is all or nothing with the church market. You have to be you have to be that thing all the time. You can't just work clean like you know, a dirty comic can go do the Tonight Show and clean it up for four and a half minutes on TV. Mm-hmm. You have to be squeaky clean all the time, which is why all those guys are like, you know, married with kids and almost pastors more so than comedians. Is
2: there is there is there a market a real market for sort of Christian comedy? There is.
0: Yes, very much so, and it's very really? lucrative. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's a small pool of people who can and do do it. So, but, but wow. they
3: have to live like this chaste life, almost. At least the public side of them. You know, who knows what anybody's doing when the lights go out. But it, when it, at least they can never really. What you're saying is they can never really branch out and go do the laugh factory and tell a bunch of you know dirty jokes and then come back and and show up at you know, Salem Methodist.
0: No, you can't do it. Especially now with the internet, people will find it. And Mm -hmm. Christians love to yell at you for messing up.
2: Do, Do you think there's a large percentage of those comedians who behind closed doors do watch all, you know, dirty comedy and, you know, sort of dream about being a comic like that and just are in their lane?
0: I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for them. I mean, I think a lot of them are you know, middle-aged married guys.
2: Right.
0: You know, they are that thing. And then there's probably a few people who aren't and are playing the part or uh, sticking to a brand. Um, Mm -hmm. um, My buddy, Dustin Nickerson, who's a very funny comic who will go on the road with me. um, He's one of the few people who can do both. Like he really crushes in clubs and he can still do corporates and churches because he's just clean all the time. It's not, mm. it's, it's not like he's changing his set based on where he is. He just, that's just who he is. You know, he's married. He has three kids, mm-hmm. uh, got married when he's 19. He is like, he is Christian. He's a very cool Christian, very cool, open-minded Christian. Um, But he's not going into these churches like, going yeah, yeah yeah no i'm i'm doing the god thing and then trying to hit on women after the show right like, I was that's seeing, not, did,
3: as you're describing yeah. that i'm like you know who was like that that always worked clean and could probably do any corporate event or church cosby yeah yeah <laughs> right <laughs> you know yeah, i true. don't cuss yeah but you're doing other things so right if you like conversations with very funny comedians like today's episode with taylor tomlinson take a dive into daddy issues archives and listen to our conversation with sebastian maniscalco where we discuss parenting cooking italian ancestry stand-up comedy and so much more
2: hey when you did you were you born in italy and then you came over with your fam no no my father was born there when he came when he was 15 in sicily right yeah, he's from Sicily. We, we, we went back about, I'd say, 10 years ago for a father and son trip. He hadn't been back in since he left
3: 50 years, and I've never been, because wow. he, he went down with uh, quadruple bypass surgery, and I said, listen, let's plan a trip before you pass away. Uh-huh. And shortly after he got out of the hospital, we arranged a trip. And uh, I'm so glad we did it, because now he goes back every year, and he's reconnected with friends and and family that you know he lost touch with over the last 50 years, and he goes back to his small town in, in Shafalu, in Sicily, and you know he's like the mayor now. So um, yeah, it was a nice trip. I'm I'm, I'm
2: really really um, I'm really glad we took the time to do it because if we hadn't, I think that would have been a huge missing on, uh, on both of our parts. So uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be back after the short break with more from today's guest, Taylor Tomlinson. did did your dad how did was your dad and your parents okay with you sort of breaking from the clean and moving into the dirty you know
0: no 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 i mean they're they're still like cool we're excited your career is going well but they don't watch my stand up anymore like they didn't watch my st- they didn't watch my special on netflix cuz really Yeah, they watched like a 15-minute shorter special I did on Netflix and they were like really disappointed and didn't talk to me for a week. And then after that, I was like, just don't, maybe just don't watch it. And they were like, no, we will. And then they just didn't. And I don't blame them because if I were, you know, if if I were a Christian suburbanite in my 50s and or 60s, I would not want to watch me do stand-up either. So I try not to take it Mm -hmm. personally and try to just take it as like, Ah, they watch The Bachelor and AGT. Like that's what they like. And mm-hmm. I'm not their taste. And that's okay.
2: And you are, and it's you know okay, and it's okay with that because you've just put that into perspective, basically
0: yes yes yeah but there's i would think therapy. that would be
2: I, I, as <laughs> i'm
3: saying i, I, I would <laughs> yes. think that though if you were close enough with your dad back at the root of all this to take a stand-up class with him you're obvious there's there's a bond there that you know you had over those years and i i would imagine on some level whether a therapist digs it out of you or not there's some disappointment that they can't they can't break out of whatever their beliefs are to at least support their daughter and go, Oh, we watched it. You know, not our taste, but you did a hell of a job. You did a, a hell of a job and, and it was, it really, you know, you, you had some smart things in there or whatever. I mean, that there has to be room somewhere in there for that. No.
0: Again, I think if I tell them what's going on in my career, they're happy for me. Mm. So I think that's the happy middle ground of, we're not going to watch that because we don't want to watch you make sex jokes. Um, but Hey, that's great that you got on TV again. You know, there's, I think that's where everybody meets each other halfway is like, okay, please don't disown me for not being this squeaky clean Christian comedian that maybe you wanted me to be, or saw me becoming, um, But also I'm not going to make you watch something that makes you feel bad or uncomfortable Mm -hmm. or hold that against you.
2: Mm -hmm. And do you have siblings?
0: I do. I have three younger siblings.
2: And you guys, you guys tight.
0: Yeah. We're really, really close and they're all very supportive.
3: Are they, do they watch? Are they allowed to watch? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah,
0: Yeah. 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 They all watch. They're very, they're very cool. They went to my special taping. Um,
3: and they yeah. were welcomed back it's into great. the house. So we have after a very that? strong unit. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, but 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 there is, you know, and it is funny because it's almost like kind of the reverse when you talk to the typical comic. Most of it is based in like childhood trauma, or everybody comes from some place that's so frigging horrible, and they're all, you know, I, I we've interviewed some on this podcast that that are at the top of of the game, and they've got such. Traumatic stories from being young, and you're coming from kind of this ultra conservative situation, and now you're venturing out. But do you still have your one foot back in that pool? Or are you completely done with that life?
0: No, I'm completely done with it. I mean, my mom died when I was eight. My dad and my stepmom have been married for almost 20 years. They're very happy. Um, but my mom died when I was a kid. And I think once my mom died, I was like, I don't think this is it. You know, Mm -hmm. with the religion stuff, like everybody's saying you're going to see them again someday and, you know, don't worry, they're in a better place and God does everything for a reason. Like that didn't sit right with me after that happened. And Mm -hmm. I think I was trying to be religious throughout, you know, my teens and it just, I just couldn't quite reconcile that. So, and then I think as an adult, it was just hard to let go of saying like, Oh no, I'm Christian because my whole family is. Um, and so that was hard to, that was hard to separate myself from because I did, it felt like I was separating myself from my entire family. And that's not the case. People just kind of adjust and are quietly sad for you that you're going to hell. (laughs) Um, which is you know makes thanksgiving really fun yeah Uh,
3: would you uh like some more uh turkey there you little heathen would you yeah great
0: (laughs) you know what's great about going to hell every meal is kind of your last meal isn't that funny taylor (laughs) um but yeah i held on to it i held on to it for a while
2: do you use it do you use this stuff in stand-up i mean or do you are you careful to not push that envelope even f- more to offend or to affect your family, you know?
0: No, I definitely talk about growing up religious in my stand-up. Um, I I have a lot of jokes about just abstinence culture and what that kind of does to you, uh once you become sexually active as an adult and how that fucks with you and um yeah i mean it's definitely it's definitely something that i thought less people would relate to than they do that's Mm -hmm. that's the stuff that girls will come up to me after shows or message me about and go oh my gosh it was the same for me growing up and that's very it's very healing for me to be honest to just know like Mm -hmm. oh cool this comes from a real place and i'm not just making it up or being over dramatic or not dealing with something deeper.
2: Uh, it's funny, the, the, Joe, the last three comics that we've had on here, when Christian, you got Pete Holmes, um, who, you know, my God, we went into that, you know, it's like, oh, Pete Holmes, we're gonna, that fucking guy, I mean, he, do you know Pete at all?
0: Yeah, yeah, a little
2: bit, yeah. Yeah, he's he is just, deep I mean, thinking, he's a deep thinking human being. It was on another level. I mean, Jesus Christ! And then Joe and Mike, we just did them. Joe, I don't know. I don't remember yesterday. So I remember <laughs> <It was> literally <laughs> yesterday. It was, it was. It was. It was literally yesterday. Anyway, my point is, is that the last comics we've done have been. Is, there's a heavy like Christian influence. I guess I don't
0: know. Oh about. wow, you're on a hot streak.
2: Yeah, you're on a hot streak. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a hot streak.
3: So, did, when when I did you you worked in kind of your own way during the pandemic. I know you have uh, you have another special coming, uh, mm-hmm. but even during the pandemic, it seemed like you found kind of a niche to keep going a bit. Where where we've talked to other, we we've done it in Sebastian Maniscalco, who was you know, just beside himself bored because he couldn't go out and do shows. Did, did you kind of find your way through that by still getting a chance to, to do your act?
0: Yeah, I think uh, the first six months maybe of it, March until September, is that six months? I didn't do any stand-up at all and it was excruciating and depressing. And, you know, then you start making sketches and podcasts to make up for it, but it's not Mm -hmm. the same, but it's at least something. And, um, then in September, the punchline in Philly was doing outdoor shows on their patios. So I went out there and we ended up doing like 19 shows over two weeks. Um, for like 50 people each show, 50 to 75 people outside on a patio a couple nights. We were like on a second stage that was like under the freeway. Like we're really making it work. Yeah. And that was, I mean, but it felt amazing after not performing for six months and, uh, you know, getting on a plane, obviously after all the horror was scary. But then once you go and you come back and you don't get, you're very, very careful and you don't get sick, you're like, okay, maybe I could do this again. And then, uh, Whitney Cummings and I did, uh, a sort of mini tour of larger outdoor venues. So like a couple drive-ins, some that were basically just huge stages set up in fields or parking lots with tables in them. And, uh, so we did some on the East coast and we did some in Denver and San Francisco. And, um, we have one that got rescheduled cause things shut down again that I think we're doing next month, uh, in Reno. Um, and that was cool and then in november i did like two different clubs that were at like 35% capacity and again you're being really really careful and the clubs were doing the best they could and that felt great and then everything shut down again and i did nothing for 2 months and then in february i think i started uh doing clubs that were not at full capacity again and so i've been i've been on the road um and now we're getting like Kind of back to normal, which is nice. Yeah, I still have been. What was it?
2: What What was it like though doing those outdoor shows? Because, you know, obviously the feedback from the audience is big, right? And when you're in an enclosed area, you can feel it. it. It there's acoustics that bounce back to you. When you're outside, I mean, is it a whole different experience as far as that audience feedback and knowing how to adjust and move?
0: Yeah. And it totally depended on where we were. I mean, drive-in shows they're honking at you or like flashing their lights and that's horrible. Hated that. Um, and then some of them were great. Like some of them we did Denver in like a parking lot and that was great. That almost, that felt pretty normal and you could hear people. Um, San Francisco was a cool stage, but it was like on a corner. And so half the audience couldn't see the other half the audience. And it was really cold and windy. So people were freezing and you couldn't really hear laughter because of the wind and they're far away and you're outside. So it was, uh, it was definitely not easy. I mean, even in Philly, it's a smaller crowd and there's just like dirt bikes going around the city oh and my God. The freeway noise and oh. the bar next door is playing music really loud. And it's just,
3: I mean, you, just, I, yeah. Taylor described to people because or you put words to it, I could try, Oliver could try. I emcee, um, I have emceed a million events, and you're always, I was, I'm always waiting. I'm hopeful that there's not going to be uh dinner service during you know th- when I'm talking, or you're trying to get everybody's attention and and plates are clanking, or now you're doing a show and you're worried about car and traffic noise and some can't see you or can't see the other side of the audience or they're honking and they're flashing their lights. I mean, if you can work under those circumstances and you can, you know, kind of just boldly plow ahead, um, what, what do you, how how do you try to do it? I Maybe I'm asking you this for myself because I, I feel like when that's going, when that's happening around me, I have to be double loud and I have to be double uh confident because that that can just swallow you up and then you're doing jokes that you know you it takes almost all the subtlety out of it you you have to just kind of hit people over the head with it or you're not going to get their attention is that is that fair
0: yeah absolutely there's a there's a space that they created during this pandemic for for outdoor comedy um, that's like right on Hollywood Boulevard um, with, you know, a building kind of around it, but it is outside and it's open air and um, it's called Supernova and it's, you know, they do great shows and great lineups, but, you know, I was doing a show there last week and I I don't remember if it was a helicopter that went right over or a, a siren that went by, but something happened just right at the punchline. And there's nothing you can do except go, you know, guys, that would have been great if it weren't for the helicopter. I promise you that's a great joke when there's not a helicopter. Cause you can't start over. You can't be like, let me do that again. Like that's not, that's not a thing. Yeah. That's not going to work. So it's, I'm pretty over the outdoor show thing. There's but think about when you come really back,
3: think about when you come back and it all comes back and now you're in a Controlled environment. I, I, I think this hardship, are you going through having to kind of reconfigure what and how you do it, is going to in the end because you worked through that. You didn't sit at home. You worked through this tougher time. It'll probably improve what is already this great young career, uh, and and you'll be that much better when when you get back in into a normal setting.
0: Yeah, I certainly hope so. I mean. Los Angeles clubs finally opened up last week. So, you know, on Friday I did the laugh factory, the comedy store and the improv, like you used to do one after the other nice. and granted they're not full cause you can't be. So it's a little emptier, but everyone's so happy to be out. And it's just so nice to be back inside that, you know, two years ago you would have walked into that room and gone, Oh my gosh, what happened? Could we not sell tickets? And now you're like, oh, thank God, it's sold out at 100 people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,
0: and everyone's spread out, and they're here, you know? So it's definitely, I think, given people a lot of perspective. Um, it's made me a lot more grateful for the road. It's, it's made me more, uh, more appreciative. And yeah, I would hope a little more bulletproof on stage, because that's why you do so many bad rooms when you're starting out to become sort of like bulletproof and like you can handle anything, whether it's hecklers or noise or, or whatever, whatever happens. So Have, I, you, I hope gro-
2: it's helped. Growing up though, you know, did you, had when did you discover comedy? I know you said you were going to these things with your dad, but was it a younger age when you realized, oh shit, you know, I'm actually funny or when I am funny, it, it It allows me to sort of express myself in a way that I'm not able to in in my normal life you know I mean how did that how did that evolve for you and and what did it do for you as like just a human being?
0: I think I was funny to my friends and I was funny to my friends' parents, but I wasn't like a class clown or anything um, I was very shy and quiet and I think. A lot of people who found out I did stand up in high school um, were surprised when they found out. I remember I had a I worked at like a food service job in college and I remember asking for a night off because I had a show and he was like a show. And I was like, oh, I do stand up. And he was like, I can't see that and just walked away. (laughs) And I was like, look, you're not wrong. I'm very scared and i had horrible stage fright when i started doing it but i really oh, liked did. performing yeah i was like a a theater kid like i really liked performing i had no musical ability so that really held me back um <laughs> but i was in mock trial and creative writing and uh drama and all these things and marching bands so it's it's it was always something i wanted to do and i think when i was like really young I was like, I want to be an actor, you know, like all overdramatic children do. And then once I found mm-hmm. stand-up, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like to this day, I'm like acting's fine, I guess, if you can't do stand-up. But mm-hmm. I just love stand-up so much.
2: But and you it, had stage fright started, even doing stand-up? like
0: Oh, yeah. I used to yeah. like feel – I was like physically ill for like several days before I had to go do
3: uh, but then it goes away. It. Right. I mean, you have stage fright. It's, it's the fear of the unknown and it's the fear of maybe taking that first step onto the stage or saying, hi, my name's Taylor. But, but once you get going, it's like a, an athlete, you know, getting hit for the first time on the field. It's like, Oh, that's how it feels. and And then it kind of goes away. You get into the flow of what you're doing. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think once I started going on stage almost every night, multiple times a night,
3: you just don't have
0: time to be afraid anymore because even if something goes poorly, you're like, I have another show in 30 minutes. I have another spot in an hour. I will make up for it. And even bombing yeah, you know, you have a couple really bad ones. And then at a certain point, even when you bomb, you're like, this is just part of it. That is going to happen. Sometimes that sucks, but you just have to stay with it. And it's a funny story
3: at a certain point. What's worse. Mm -hmm. The low, of bombing or the high of just owning a crowd forget the socially distanced outdoor crowd a real what's crowd. worse what's worse war- what, 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 what what has a bigger impact on you what what lasts longer in your mind oh, Meaning- oh i don't
0: know that's a good question what stays with me longer a great set or a bad set
2: i can answer for me it's just bombing like when i go do a scene and i can't remember my fucking lines and everyone's waiting on me and it's about they're trying to call lunch and now we're getting into like meal penalties and now i'm fucking losing my shit and now that (laughs) stays with me more than just (laughs) crushing some sort of a scene
0: (laughs) right see that's why like i mean how a lot of people feel about stand-up is like how i feel about acting i'm like that looks terrifying like if I if if I was in that situation you just described, that would stay with me for three years. I would be like, oh, I quit. I I want to be a teacher. Like, I don't I don't ever want to <laughs> feel this way again. Um, and I know a lot of people feel that way about bombing with stand-up too. I mean, I, I think probably bombing will stay with you longer. It depends how bad it was. I mean, a really rough bomb, that'll stay with you because it shakes it 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 shakes your confidence where you're like, how could I not? know how to do this how i've done this for so long and how did i not handle this now that you know how to handle everything that's what stays with me is if i if i like lose it it doesn't happen very often there's been a couple times i think the last time it happened was like i don't know maybe a year and a half ago i was in spokane and there was a table that was just talking like right in the front row and i it was thursday night and i traveled that day and I was tired and I was stressed about something and I just wasn't funny about how mad I was about it. And I'm like, you know how to be funny. You know how to get people to shut up. You know how to talk. To- you didn't do any of that. You were just mad mm. and you made it weird. And then you had to dig out of a hole. So that mm. will stay with me for a while. That will stay mm. with me for a while.
2: Interesting. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Because I was, I was going to ask you like how much of a bomb is you, and then how much of the bomb is just getting unlucky with the crowd, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's got to be more crowd than the than the comedian, I would think, because sometimes you just get a fucked up crowd that's not going to give you anything. Which is weird that they all seem to know what night to show up.
0: I know, right? They have a <laughs> Facebook meetup Which
3: group. I would say, you know, how did you all know to show up here tonight? Because every one of you sucks, <laughs> right now how how did you (laughs) did you send an email is it on some are you all on a text chain how did you do it because you're killing me up here i don't care if you're having any fun right now you guys are fucking up my night that's that's where i would go
0: i mean shitty crowd members they're very organized uh i'll give them that they're (laughs) very organized but then those are and those are the nights you get you know instagram dms from people who are like we thought you were great I don't know what was wrong with them. And you're like, okay, I didn't know it went that bad. Right.
3: (laughs) Thanks for that compliment.
0: Sometimes you go into a room and they just, they wanted something different. And you're like, this is the type of comic I am. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm good at what I do. Um, And you do need to, you do need to deliver in most situations. But every once in a while, if you get a crowd who is not, just doesn't like you. It's not the end of the world. It it really Mm -hmm. isn't.
2: If you're enjoying this episode of Daddy Issues, don't keep it to yourself. Go tell somebody. All right, share the love. Tell a friend. Tell your mother. Tell your stepfather. Tell your grandfather. Anybody about Daddy Issues. Go subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss the rest of our conversation with Taylor Tomlinson coming up right after this short break. How much do you stake this could be like a deeper question but how much do you stake your sort of sense of well-being in how you are as a comedian and how well you do as an artist as a performer as an actor as a comedian whatever it is you are you know how much of of your sort of self-worth do you stake in in in, in your performance
0: Oh, I'd say uh, 98% of my (laughs) self-worth
2: is tied up in my job.
0: I mean, Uh. that was, I don't know how you felt, but like, that's how I, that really was brought to light for me during the pandemic. And I already kind of knew that my self-worth was probably too tied to work, but I'm like, whatever, I'll just work all the time. It's fine. Mm. And then when that was taken away, I like a lot of other people had to kind of sit with myself and go, Oh man, is this the only way I feel good about myself is when Mm -hmm. I'm good at my job, because if my job goes away am I just screwed emotionally and mentally, and, and I don't feel worthy of love or attention or interest in any way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I definitely had to wrestle with that. I definitely had to wrestle with that in the last year because I do think it's really unhealthy to, Especially in a career in entertainment, you cannot tie all of your self worth to your accomplishments and your career because it's so fickle and you will always be coming up short because there's always something bigger better brighter that you could have got sure and,
2: done. And, and it's also just validation you know it's the yes. same thing even when i it's, i'm not a comedian but it's just it's just the validation and it's this bullshit thing that i'm striving for which is just it's not real you know who who wh- why do i need this validation to make me feel good about myself you know when i was my my 24th birthday uh, my stepdad kurt Who's an actor? You know he, he. He's Kurt Russell, luck. Taylor Tomlinson, Kurt Russell. That's Kurt who Russell? we're talking. He, Kurt and Russell. Yeah. Was
0: he in anything? Or? No, he's just <laughs> kind okay. of a
2: startup. Yeah, he's okay. There. He was in uh, Captain Ron, um, but he he uh, he he said he goes. Look, you're talented. You just have to stop giving a fuck what people think. You have to stop caring what people think about you. And it's easy, much easier said than done. You know what I mean? Like he truly has that and it's a beautiful thing to watch. And my, my brother has that as well. Who's an actor and Mm -hmm. I, I, I envy it, you know, because I just care too fucking much and that can stop me in my tracks, you know?
0: Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I relate to that so much. There are very few comedians. I know that are like that as well, but they, I, I do know a few And it is so inspiring to watch Mm -hmm. somebody just do what they do. Focus on their fans and who likes them and go where they're wanted and really just be, be like, no, I deserve to be here and I'm the best at what I do and not get wrapped up in all the like, what is everyone doing? What does everyone think I should be doing. Is everyone judging mm. me? Do I look like I'm trying too hard? Am I not trying hard mm-hmm. enough? Have I not done enough, I know I just got this or that thing, but it wasn't as big a thing as this other person got. And it'll just make you miserable. And I think, honestly, the the thing that helps the most with getting you to the place of realizing that is success. Because when you experience yeah. success, you realize it doesn't make you that happy. <laughs>
2: Right. Yeah, that's Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh. a great. It's, it's a great point. Great point. Really you know, great point. I'm I, I'm constantly comparing yeah. myself too, you know. And I've again, that's part of my issue, is that I'm like, oh, he did this, or even she did that, and who was not even in my wheelhouse, but still, I I've had to get over that sort of competitive spirit, not a healthy one. It it brings me down, you know.
0: Right. And the messed up thing about Hollywood and the entertainment industry. Is we're not wrong. Like, all these insecurities are not incorrect. Like, mm-hmm. casting directors and pe- pe- like gatekeepers, all these people are comparing us. And sure. they are going, oh, we already have someone who's kind of in your age bracket or kind of looks like you. Or we already have someone who, like, does your thing. Like, that's that is our business. That's what we've chosen to do. So it's hard to get yourself out of that comparison spiral and go like nobody's doing that because no everyone is doing that. But mm-hmm. focusing on that is not going to help you in any way.
3: <laughs> Do you have here's a weird question but as I sit here and and watch you and and listen to you talk, you're 27 years old, you started at 16. So somebody like me would go, "Oh, well, she's a young comic." But you've been at it for a long time. So that's probably insulting to hear. It's like, well, I've been in here slugging it away for for a long time now. And and this is just your life, but do you have a tough time? Here's the weird question part relating to other 27-year-olds that don't do Yes. what you do because yes. I I would think you know, you're the oldest of all the kids in your family. You've you've had a tough go when you were 8 years old you've been through that. You've been, I feel like you're a very experienced 27 year old. And, and speaking as somebody who has girls in their you know twenties, I see some of their friends and I'm like, eh, I, I don't, I don't really get it. So I, I, I would imagine you have a tough time finding friends your age.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, I think most of my friends are at least, at least a few years older than me. Um, my friends that are my age, I've known since high school. And, you know, one of them just had their second baby. One of them just finished law school and the other one just finished med school. So they're all very successful in ways I do not understand and cannot comment on. And quite frankly, makes me feel insecure when I see them where they're like, yeah, motherhood's great. And here's what I've learned. And I'm like, did you think about putting your baby on TikTok? Because you can try yeah. get a lot of views with your <laughs> with your baby videos. <laughs> And then, like my friends are getting off. They're like, "I deleted my social media because I just didn't want to be on it anymore, and it wasn't good for me." And I'm like, "What's that like? I have to do it." I, my. So you don't want to talk about your insights or the best time to post during the week because I found it. I found it's Wednesday at noon for some reason. I'm not sure because um, it's three on the East Coast. And then, like my friends in medical school, just like, "Oh, I, you know, I." did an autopsy on a cadaver or something these are just words i've heard her use these might not be used in the proper context and i'm like oh that's cool i just you know i went and danced like a monkey for people so they'd forget about death um for a couple hours like i don't i got nothing so like it's not even like oh i'm so superior and successful and mature it's like in both ways i i can't i can't really relate to 27 year olds who don't know what they're doing with their life and i also can't relate to people who know what they're doing and are doing like incredible jobs like a lawyer or but doctor. they all
3: look at you that way you understand that right they look at you and they go oh my god our friend taylor is amazing she's selling out shows and she's you know she's got a comedy special and she's working on another one and she's you know everybody that's just the way you were made i i think you're you're kind of yeah born are you that famous way. back
2: home are you famous are you like shit taylor famous taylor
0: I don't look, I made the Wikipedia notable alumni for my high school. So it's <laughs> me and two baseball players and a porn star. So
2: it's, <laughs> for Are you I kidding me? It's an action actual porn star. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: Well
0: it says adult actress and I filled in the blank.
2: Yeah. No. Um
0: I haven't seen her stuff, but supposedly uh that's that's the notable alumni.
3: I can't I'm Googling right. that the minute the oh second we god. hang up. I want first of all, I do baseball for a living, so I want to know who the two baseball but Is this Temecula? Is that where we're talking mm-hmm.
0: about? Yeah. Okay.
2: All right. I'm gonna look yeah. that up. Oh my god, uh, that's amazing. That's so good. Why? Well,
0: <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's that impressed. I mean, my my drama teacher did text me the other day and said uh somebody in my fourth period class just came up to me and was like, uh, hey, Mr. Hyde, I heard a rumor that you taught Taylor Tomlinson. Is that true? Like, and he was like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. So he texted me that, and that was cute. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't go back to Temecula that much. And it, before the pandemic, I didn't have, you know, an hour long Netflix special. So to get recognized sometimes now is like crazy and different. I, I don't know that I.
2: Do you want I that? Know. I mean, if you're if you're honest with yourself, you know, do you want to be that person who gets recognized everywhere? Because it's no, a hard I one to be truthful be... about, you know what I mean? Because no one yeah. wants to say, Oh, I want to be fucking famous, you know, but a lot of people do, you know.
0: I know. Like, I, I secretly like where... I
2: secretly do.
0: <laughs> do you? Not
2: so secretly. I mean, not really. I, you know, well, you not are just, famous. You know. Your
3: brother is the new Captain America. Your sister was nominated for an Oscar. Your mom is one of the most beloved actresses or actors of all time. And your stepdad is an amazing uh, actor who's done so many things. Yeah, Oliver, and, you're good. This famous. is
2: why I have, in 25 years of therapy, this is you just literally <laughs> explained why I go through what I go through. I mean... <laughs> turn on Jeez. rules of
3: engagement <laughs> i Christ. dare you to not smile do you just do it taylor you ever watch rules of engagement oliver is Don't charming he's like the dumb guy in it but he's he's just fantastic splitting up this together
0: is, this is a perfect example too because like do you consider yourself famous
2: uh i guess or would yes. you be like I,
0: I okay. See, that's what I'm saying. Even people yeah. who are like I say no, I'm not at all. Yeah. I'm in a different area than you for sure. But like getting recognized by people sometimes is fun. It's sure. But if it happened all the time, like a crazy amount, like I don't oh, I yeah. don't think
2: no, I like I watch what my sister has to go through, and it's not fun. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's just, it's over. It's just bullshit. I, it's crazy to me. And I grew up with that. I grew up with my mother, everyone wanting a piece of her, and then Kurt, and it was all around us all the time. And I, I developed like a real distaste for it. It, it really fucked me up. You yeah. know? Does it fuck and, with uh, you?
0: Does it fuck with you when you meet new people and like not knowing? how much of you they like and how oh, much Oh my of god. Oh god. So you
2: are <laughs> Yes, my first kiss, okay, in 4th grade was a girl named Nicole. And she it wasn't really a kiss, but Wait, she I'm sorry. Me can, down. can I
3: can I hit the sound effect? This is new information alert right here. <laughs> this is new this is new ground. New well, ground. I'm, I'm telling you, got it
2: out of you. I'm telling a story that that is is was the was the kickoff point to this insecurity cuz Nicole at lunch, had her friends, they pinned me down, you know, and they, she kissed me and I was like, Oh my God. And she liked me and all this. Right. Then I find out that she's only enamored with sort of who my mother was, whether that's true or not. I don't know. This is what I was told. This is what I heard. And it crushed me. And from that moment on, I have always been hyper aware of why people want to be around me. Why people like me. You know, and especially yeah. growing up as a teenager, you know, trying to sort of navigate that was, uh, you know, it was p- just part of my experience, but it's definitely in there. That is, uh, that is, that is uh, uh, something that has been sharpened in me. But at the same time, I wouldn't take it away because I feel like it has, you know, developed my intuition. You know, I, I feel like I, I have a handle on people better.
0: Yeah, but you don't want to be a story for somebody. Right? Right? Like, you don't want to be, guess who I pinned down and kissed? Yeah. Like, you
3: don't want to be that. Oh, she's told that story. She's told that story. And she doesn't know what's been said about her behind her back (laughs) and really just popping a pin in the whole, this girl likes me balloon. Right? What was her name again? Nicole
2: Nicole Cold. Yeah. Taylor remembered it. And then on top of it, you know, years later, I was 12 or 13 years old, I was going to camp. And I I was friends with all these girls at camp and it was, we had the best year and it was amazing. And, and then we're on the bus and, and I'm sitting next to this girl. And I just, out of the blue going home, we're going home back to the airport. And I just like, I just say, you only like me because of who my mom is. And her name was Ellen. I remember her name was Ellen. And she starts crying, bawling because it was untrue. And she's like, I just really oh. love you and and i was like uh-oh i guess i fucked that one.
3: <laughs> yeah thanks nicole oh, yeah. thanks
2: nicole that,
3: that's horrible
2: <laughs> poor Oliver. this is why uh, uh, we've just uh, taken taylor out hey, of
3: the entire podcast
2: everything I, is good was, my life is fucking great okay everything's fine i, I should not be ever complaining about my life God. but we all have our shit we, we all do have
0: all shit. have our shit Uh, yours is very unrelatable but it is (laughs) shit
2: (laughs) Uh, all right
3: so the new special is going to happen when
0: uh we're filming it in december so it'll be a while but uh yeah so i read where you got
3: finished with your last we were talking about this yesterday oliver and and uh i were you got finished with your last and the the short-lived exuberance i guess of of finishing that was quickly replaced with oh my god that means i have to work on an entirely new special which i guess comes with its own pressure and everybody's yeah. been locked down um you know everybody's experience is not that much different than you know mine isn't that different than yours 5227 i may have little kids but we're all been sitting doing these stupid zoom things for the last year you know that that comes with some pressure to to kind of figure it out. Do you, are you? Is it written? Are you ready? Are you still putting it together?
0: Yeah, I mean, I filmed a Quarter Life Crisis in November of 2019, and so once I filmed that, like the first week of November, I was back on the road writing a new hour. So by the time March rolled around, I had a new hour. Um, that was not the special. It wasn't as good as it is now, obviously, but I did have a new hour and then everything shut down. And then once I got back to performing in the fall, I was able to start working on it again. And now I'm liking where it's at and I'm sure it'll still evolve between now and December when we shoot it. Um, But yeah, I'm glad that I got to work really quickly after we filmed quarter life um, so that I wasn't, in lockdown going, wow, I have written nothing. And when we come back, if anyone comes to see me because they saw this special, I'm not going to have anything
3: new. So. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Well, that hasn't stopped other comics before. I've seen the same thing (laughs) over and over again.
2: So, oh my (laughs) God, Just, just, just go see David Spade. You know, Spadola. I mean, I, look, I know every Spade joke. I because I did a show with him for a hundred years, and and right. I still go see him. I'm like, Jesus, did you know we're doing the freeway joke again, Dave? That's that's like 17 years old.
0: I'm just not a movie star. If I was a movie star, I would just do the same. I do the same 10 minutes the rest of my life. But I gotta
3: I, work harder because I'm not as talented. I want. I swear to you. And Oliver's played in this golf tournament. that, that that's where I first met him. In Tahoe, Jay Jay Leno showed up. I would say this happened in, I don't know, 2015. He showed up, and he was doing Menendez Brothers jokes. Menendez Brothers jokes. What happened in the 90s? It's like, I
0: mean, the Menendez case, a classic. That'll never Nothing makes a
3: guy laugh, like (laughs) double murder of parents by two brothers.
0: If If I go out on a Friday night and I don't hear about the Menendez
3: Brothers... (laughs)
0: It's You're a way 27, you
3: them. even know who they are? That's they, you a don't bad, know who they
2: are. That's yeah. a
0: bad weekend. No, they killed their dad, right? <laughs> Both
2: yeah, yeah. mom and dad.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. You yeah. should but their throw dad that into was the bad guy, right? Throw
2: that in there. See what happens. Just throw the Some Menendez material into December. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Kids, I got to tell you, these Menendez, look them up. Google them. Look at <laughs> their crazy guys. Um hey, good luck with the new uh the new stuff. Good luck ramping it all back up and getting back to normal you were ahead of your time i read a story today where outside transmission of the coronavirus or COVID 19 is like less than one percent so it, there's you're good right keep doing mm-hmm. outdoor shows but get back inside and maybe
2: someday oliver and i can come see you and 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 yeah. say hey remember I want to come when to the you the our podcast store.
0: yeah sorry
2: yeah, I want to come to the comedy store. Last time I was there oh with Bobby, gosh, Bobby Lee. Oh, yeah. So I, I did a show with Bobby Lee, and uh, he came. We, we all The whole cast went to go see him, and uh, we fucked him up bad because he got on stage. And the first thing he said was, my whole cast from this show is here, and I fucking am nervous, and I can't do it. <laughs> and he got all, he got all <laughs> nutty. <laughs> That's
1: amazing.
0: So I'd like funny.
3: to see um, Bobby Lee go back and do her old church audiences. I think he'd be great. Oh my God.
2: Ooh. No, no. Bobby Lee used to he literally used to show his butthole on stage. I don't think it's gonna go over well with any church right. going on. There's yeah. oh, so,
3: <laughs> many, <I have> so <laughs> many jokes flying through my head right now that I'm not gonna say any of them. Taylor don't say
2: it. Let's just leave it there. Taylor, Taylor thank it was you. an
3: honor. Thank you so much for coming on. You're fantastic. And uh, we appreciate your time. Thank
0: you so much, you guys.
3: It was really nice to meet you. This is fun. Nice All to right, meet good. you. All right, good. Thank cool. you. Thanks. Ali, uh, did you potentially in that when you couldn't think of the names of the people that we just
2: interviewed? Were you thinking yeah. of sibling revelry? Yes, I was. Yeah, so we'll just cut that out.
3: <laughs> no, we won't. Or, or <laughs> no, keep we it won't. In. You, Mister, I'm going to keep it all in. You're like, yeah, I we was. just did uh, Billy and and Joey. I'm like, well, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're like, yeah, we did them yesterday.
2: Halfway through, I remembered, and then I was like, "I, ga- I got to play it off. I got to still keep playing it off, even though I know that I just fucked up because this was from sibling. S- <laughs> S- S- do
3: I look like yeah. Kate Hudson to you? Do
2: I look like dude, Kate Hudson? They're to you. all. It's just, I, dude. I did, I did, I did, I did sibling and you yesterday. I'm doing this today, and I got sibling tomorrow. I it's yeah. like sibling ish, sibling issues. We, yeah. we should all just do one together. It's called sibling issues. You know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Great. I knew it. I knew it when Taylor I was talking. Know. I'm like, oh wait. I guarantee you, he's thinking of somebody. I'm like, we did what?
2: Did Sarah I, yesterday? I, uh, I know. I know. I know. I'm sorry. up. Oh oh God. So you sorry. know. It's, it's, I it's, think it's, the whole it's Berbiglia. It's Mike and Joe Berbiglia. Oh yeah, really good guys, and they were Christian or Catholic, you know. And I just I fucked it up. I don't know.
3: Oh, you know where they'd be I, good I, is is back in the three D world with uh,
2: they would <laughs>
3: sound effects. <laughs> Should we go back in there to end yeah. this fucking thing? Let's go back. <laughs> let's go back in there and let's do the sound effect of me <laughs> like uh, uh the Road Runner. I I just yeah. smash you over the head with a with an anvil. Okay, perfect. Okay, that's yeah, yeah. how we're gonna end it. And you won't okay, be able to talk. Go. And then you're gonna walk away. Doing the accordion sound, like the Roadrunner okay. used to do.
2: Great. Or the Coyote. Do? The
3: Roadrunner was the one that was inflicting the pain. The Coyote was the yes. one that was receiving the pain. Okay, ready? Beep, beep. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> Hold on, let me drop this on you. <laughs> uh, uh. <Fine.
2: laughs> Bye. 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 Listen to Daddy Issues on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Daddy Issues is a production of Cavalry Audio and iHeartMedia, produced by Margot Carmichael. Sound engineering and editing by Josh Windisch. Executive
2: produced by Joe Bach, Oliver Hudson, Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger. This episode was brought to you in iHeart 3D Audio. To experience more podcasts like this, Search for iHeart 3D Audio in the iHeartRadio app.
1: Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother but don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.